selling it ain't obsolete. Selling Marxism always works. Howdy, folks. Welcome to The Virtue Signal. I'm Alfonso Rachel with my buddy Bill Whittle. All right. Got a special one here for you. Well, I mean, it's special oh, because it, it proves that, you know, hey, people are watching and they dig the show. And so when we get some viewer uh, mail uh, requesting a topic, it's like, hey, all right, bonus. You know, it's uh, people actually, you know, are, are, are helping. Up. I mean, we got our viewers and this is just a little extra validation that people are curious about what it is that we think about these things. So we, we really appreciate that. So um, I'm going to grab one here, uh, Bill, from uh, this comes from we'll call him DJs. Uh, it was his name is DJ. And uh, he said. Uh, I like one of your shows to address the extent to which people who advocate Marxism actually believe, I'm gonna, and I'll read this and, and you just go ahead and, and take off with it, Bill, uh, actually believe that it is to benefit humanity. I think there are a few true believers, some too stupid to see Marxism in, Marxism in, uh, Marxism's impact uh, AOC, he puts in parentheses, uh, lots mm -hmm. of people who want to benefit from the work of others and don't think about it, imp think about its impact on society and the leaders who only see it as the easiest way to enhance their own power and wealth. Parenthetically, uh, a person who takes from Peter and gives to Paul will always get the support of Paul. Uh, lastly, he says, I believe all current Democrat Party leaders only see Marxism as a way to benefit themselves. They see the future of Marxism worldwide. What do you think? Well, wow, that's a that's a profound um, analysis of it. Mm. I would add a fourth category only just because I live out here. And I would add the category of people who believe or at least profess to believe in Marxism as a means of assuaging their own guilt. Uh, the limousine liberal type, right? <laughs> the kind of person who, who talks about, yeah, I'm down with the revolution, you know, and then goes back to their $12 million mansion up in the hills and, you know, talks with his accountant about how he can, uh, you know, pay as few taxes as possible. That kind of, that kind of person. You know, so when you talk about Marxism, here's, here's my first adjective that comes to mind. Uh, and that adjective is obsolete. Mm. Whatever case you could have made for Marxism, and to be honest with you, it, when, when he wrote it, there was a case to be made for it. It's long gone. When, when the Industrial Revolution started and people started moving from farms into the city and people started manufacturing things, that allowed a lot of wealth to be concentrated and especially decision-making in, in the hands of one person or a small, small number of people. And it allowed tremendous amounts of wealth and you didn't have to go out and work in the fields to do it and so on and so on and so on. And so you, you got the conditions, uh, the working conditions that you would see in late Victorian England, Edwardian England, and so on, you, uh, and around the world. You would have children working in factories for 10, 12 hours a day, Sunday off only. You would have uh, you know, coal miners who were down there six days a week who die of black lung disease in their late 20s. Uh, you would have people having their fingers removed and so on and so on and so off by, by this machinery and all the rest of it. Uh, Charles Dickens wrote uh, A Christmas Carol during this time. And Scrooge is that guy, right? I'll, I'll allow you to take half a day off uh, on, on Christmas or, or whatever it was, Christmas Eve or on Saturday, something like that, right? So conditions were extremely bad and, and they were so bad that working people were really 
despaired that the, uh, filled with despair that this was never going to change. And so the history of modern Marxism, as we understand it today, progressivism, is a result of the Frankfurt School. After World War I, uh, people around the world, but especially in Germany, especially the communists in Germany, had thought that this world war was going to be the beginning of the worldwide workers' revolution. You know, workers of the world unite, you have nothing to lose but your chains. And the Russian army and the German army and the British army and the French army would all rise up against their officers put them up against a wall, and then we'd have the workers' paradise that was promised uh, by Marxism. And when that didn't happen, they started to ask themselves why. So they set up something called the Institute for Marxism in Frankfurt. We call it the Frankfurt School. It's a think tank, basically. And they realized that, that by the time they were talking about now, in the early to mid-20s, capitalism was, was pulling back on a lot of the worst excess, but especially creating so much wealth, so much abundance for the working man there's no way this working person is going to launch a revolution. Not in America. They have their own cars in America. For God. Workers have cars. They have indoor plumbing. Um, and, so, and so the motivation for Marxism uh, was, was largely removed by, by increasing safety and, 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 uh, and workers' rights and mostly by the amount of wealth that was generated. Everybody's standard of living went straight up. You can you do a graph of human uh, poverty, and it, and it looks just like this, industrial revolution, like that. Mm. So it is. So Marxism is a, is a product of that, of that turn, that, that turn. And we can go into the history of it more, but it's, it's irrelevant really to the question. The point is today is that it is, it is the, the tenets of Marxism are so obsolete. They're 150 years out of date, you know? No one, you don't need graphic designers grabbing torches to improve their working conditions, you know? You know what I mean? It's like, okay, everybody's doing pretty well. Now, now we get to the, to the actual motivation. What, what this wonderful viewer said about the leaders is absolutely correct. This is the fast path to power, right? I want power and money, so what I'm going to do is say, if you guys support me, then I will give you the money that we're going to take from these rich people, and, and I'll continue to do that job. Have you noticed this about Marxist dictators like, oh, I don't know, Castro, Stalin, Hitler, uh, Mao, uh, Pol Pot, all of them? To whatever degree they came up from the working classes, once they became dictators, they didn't go back to the working classes, did they? Mm. Lenin didn't go back to being an, uh, an unemployed bad lawyer, right? He moved into the Tsar's palace. And when Fidel Castro died, he had in his personal bank account $800 or $900 million dollars. Mm that he had basically stolen from the Cuban people who were boiling stones and, and eating moss in order to survive. So yes, it is, it's a con game. It's, it's, a, it's a con game. It's a fig leaf for um, envy. It's a fig leaf for laziness. And, and it, is a, a, it is generally driven, and it used to be driven genuinely by despair and desperation. But essentially, those conditions have been long eliminated. And so you're just left with the the husk of it, which is, you know, well, they're, they're not even talking about, about the rest of the world. So what they're, what they're selling here in America is vote for me, we'll eliminate your student debt. We're going to raise the taxes on those awful rich people, which means you'll get even more stuff. You vote for me and I'll give you their money and I'll take it from them and I'll give it to you and I will keep a substantial uh, honorarium in the process.
Man, we uh, right on, man. And, and you know, when you say um, uh, it's obsolete, it of course makes me think of uh, one of my favorite episodes of uh, the Twilight Zone, um, the obsolete man. And uh, you know, and, and they're basically you got the state basically telling this man that he's obsolete using um you know the 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 approach of you know this basically this marxist approach this the status approach that it itself is obsolete the idea this collectivist idea of course never works for the people uh it works for those you know at the head but it doesn't really work for the people um but the thing about marxism even though it all automatically cancels itself out selling it ain't obsolete selling marxism no. always works Right. Because, I mean, when you got in in pretty much every society, somehow the poor are automatically given um, the, 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 the go ahead for virtue. The poor are just virtuous automatically. Uh, and Marxism panders to the poor and, and panders to the proletariat. Right. So you, you're going to have these vir the, the virtue of, of 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 labor. I mean, even uh, and, and the thing is, as Marxism basically sees people as serfs, you got to be empowered victims. Right. Power to the serfs. And that's why I say the Democrat Party, this ain't a new Democrat Party. It's, it's no, always this is their, this is their strategy since the beginning. Yes. Yes. But they always see that somebody should be benefiting at the expense of somebody else. Doesn't matter if it's slavery, socialism, or communism, Marxism, whatever. It's it's all the same approach as far as Democrats goes. But but there and and it comes down to their covetous disposition. Marxism works by covetousness. You you pray it's like mm -hmm. you you're entitled to this. And there's there's gonna be no classes or anything like that. We're gonna make sure that there's no class. But of course, there has to be a ruling class in order to make to facilitate mm -hmm. this and make this happen and shape it, right? It's a burden that we have to carry. Yes, you know? Yeah. So that mm -hmm. you know, I mean that's what we're dealing with uh uh with Marxists. But I think in 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 you know in examining the initial part of this question, if I if I look at it like right now, um it's, it's people who think that there's like some sort of, um, you know, benefit. Is there really like some sort of virtue to make it happen? I mean, I think when you have some people seeing others hungry or seeing people suffering, stuff like that, they they have a, um, I guess, a first a go to intuition on how this is supposed to be solved. You know, we're supposed to take care of each other and all that sort of stuff. And, and we should be socially responsible and there should be this communal effort. And to that extent, it's like, I understand. And to an extent, I agree with you. But that is supposed to be a voluntary action of the people. This communal effort should be, it's like, you know, they'll even try to use the Bible. Well, in the Bible, aren't they supposed, aren't they ordered to do this? It's, yes. This wasn't as imposed on them by the state, though. This is coming mm -hmm. from the Lord and who's not establishing a theocracy in that contemporary. That's that's not what he's saying to do. It's, it's, it's internal. It's volitionary. It's it, not coerced. Exactly. There's not people with swords making you making you be charitable. Right. This is the law of love. Right. Not the law of the state. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And in that sense, you have this communal effort. But to try to assume to make it law, that's a whole nother thing. And like I said, yeah, these people's their heart is in the right place and they're well-meaning and stuff like that. Um, but you can't promote fairness by being unfair to other people. You, no, you, you, can't. you can't do that. And that's basically what Marxism uh, gets down to. And, and then from there, the, the, the natural course of it 
is to become a selling tool. And it will be that hammer and sickle, so to speak, you know, in these collectivist ideologies. You will use a hammer to beat these people over the head with. And you will use your sickle to reap the benefits of these people for your own personal power. Yeah, that's I what will happen. I never thought of that. That's brilliant. You know what I'm saying? It's just like you yeah. taught, like even about uh, fascism. What is fascism? A bundle of sticks. And that's what they're like. Antifa, these people are the bundle of sticks. BLS, that's what they are. And they bundle together and they're being used to bludgeon the masses to get what they want for and give the state the power to, to give them what they want. And, and lastly, I would say to this, we see people having this, um, you know, they're, 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 they're starting to really feel the pain. But they don't know mm-hmm. where this pain is coming from. And they, they're taking yep. it out on Biden. But it's like, you're going to you're gonna ditch Biden, but you're going you're gonna to get behind another, this same ideology behind another face. You guys do it every time. You don't seem to understand that the process to try to get this country to be something that it's not meant to be is going to flip and hurt. All right? We're not supposed to be socialists. We're not supposed to be communists. We're not supposed to be this collectivist country. And if you try to make it that way, it's going to hurt. And you're going to blame the wrong people. <laughs> you're going to be barking up the wrong tree. So, you know, just looking at that first first part right there, you know, that's that's what I would kind of I guess off the top of my head. That's what I would answer to that. Yeah, I would just say that modern certainly modern Marxism, probably all of it, but but certainly since uh, post-World War Two, at least is driven essentially by one emotional factor, and that's enviousness. Although there's a better word for that, and that word is covetedness. Mm. Right. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbors fill in the blank. Yeah. I did uh, uh, hundreds of speeches, and and every now and then I know there'd be like progressives in the audience. You could tell because they were the ones whose hair was never combed and their their clothes were always wrinkled. It's just a weird sort of thing that just kind of rumpled and you know. And this woman was sitting in the front row, this older white liberal woman, and and uh, we were talking about this, and she made some kind of comment or something. And my question to her directly was, so let me ask you something, just your, your personal opinion. Would you rather live in a world with these wealth disparities or would you rather live in a world where there aren't any wealth disparities, but everybody is doing much worse, everybody, including the poor? She said, absolutely, that one. Yeah, absolutely. So forget about it being about the poor. It's not about the poor. It's about it's about coveting what other people have that you don't have. I've used this example a few times. I'm going to use it again because I'm just very proud of it, right? It just take a second to set up. To give you an idea of how of how envy and covetousness works in the human heart, meaning your human heart uh, viewer, uh, esteemed, respected viewer, just walk this little thought experiment with me, okay? Let's say you work at an insurance company and you're up on the 65th floor and there's 200 cubicles there and everybody's doing their thing. And at the end of the day on Friday, the CEO of the company and the chief financial officer come by your cubicle and you think, oh my God, now what have I done? And the CEO leans over and says, Bill, uh, hey, just want to talk to you for a second. Um, listen, you've been working here for 20 years, and you may not know, to, know this, but we noticed. We noticed how you're the, you're the first one in and the last one out. We noticed how you never complain when you're, when you're doing all of the extra work that's required here. And, and you've been doing it for a long time. So just on behalf of the company, uh, I talked with uh, Charlie here, and we'd like to present you with this. Uh, check for $100,000, which we have paid the taxes on, by the way. Uh, it's not much, but but we wanted to let you know we appreciate it. And then they walk away. So what are your emotions when somebody gives you $100,000 tax-free? It's joy, right? Joy. Instant joy. I can take that vacation. I can fix the house. I can buy a car. Whatever you want to do. It's like, 
all of a sudden, all these possibilities open. And you're filled with joy. And you get up, and so you start, you can't help yourself. You walk over to some of the other cubicles and see, you'll never believe what happened to me. The CEO just came by, and he told me I've been working here for a long time, and he gave me $100,000. And instead of everybody else being, like, completely blown away, they all look at you like this. And, yeah, he came to all of our desks. He gave us $250,000. Mm. Now what happens? <laughs> Instantly what happens? The joy mm. and the pride that you felt is gone. Now you're filled with bitterness and anger, and you're wondering why Susie, who can't even write an English sentence, got $250,000. I have to correct every single report she submits. She gets $250,000. I get a measly hundred grand. And, 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 and Dave, that alcoholic who, who, who comes in when he feels like it, he gets $250,000. I get a measly hundred grand. And, and you immediately start to see not what you got, but what you didn't get. Mm. And, and because it's a gift, that's because it's, because it's not earned, that's why it hurts so much. If it turned out that somebody got $250,000, they were there working weekends for their entire life, uh, he, he earned it. But, but, but when somebody gives you something that is nothing but an absolute total good for you, here, here's a free $100,000, your life has just improved enormously. When you find out that somebody else got more than you got, you are now filled with resentment and rage. And I'm here to tell you there are a lot of people out there, including that woman and a bunch of others, who if you had said to them that everybody on the floor has to take the deal or nobody gets the deal, there are people out there who would tear up a $100,000 check mm -hmm. so that somebody else didn't get a $250,000 check. And that is the illness that is built into the human condition. Man, it's, ain't it childish? It's that kind of childish. Like you, you could put some cereal or or, or uh, in one bowl and same cereal in another bowl, and you'll have a kid saying, "I want that cereal." It's like it's the same cereal, right? Or or even when you feed your pets, it's like, "Hey, why are you trying to take? You got the same cat food. Why are you trying to take this cat's cat food?" Uh, yeah. You know, and, and and the Lord talks about this too. You know, when, when He's saying, "Look, man, there's this guy. He has some work. He hired some people and gave them this day's pay. And at the at the end mm -hmm. of that day, some people came in and did the same job." but it later in it and still got the same amount of pay and the other people were mad about it. And, you know, the lesson is this. It's like, look, man, if you got enough money to pay people like that, I ain't going to be mad. Obviously, you got resources. You got work. I'm going to be back here tomorrow. <laughs> that's, that's a winning attitude. You know what I'm saying? You're a Republican. Congratulations yes. and a conservative. I'm yes. going to be gainfully. I'm going to be gainfully employed with this dude. I'm going to tell other people, "Hey, this cat got work, right?" So you know, it's that attitude of gratitude, man. And but you know, the Lord Himself says it. You know, you will always have the poor, but you will not always have me, right? Hmm. And. And, and it's it's a very true statement. So see, this is where Democrats, this is where they are. See, they're trying to make a liar out of the Lord because they think that they 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 get out there and boast as if they can solve the poverty issue, right? And after all this time, they still hadn't. But you know, that's what they think. You know, they're gonna go ahead and solve this problem. And the Lord's like, no, you can't. And the more you keep trying, I notice the more you keep trying to get rid of me. So you will always have the poor, but like I said, you will not always have me. Now, this is not just the Lord saying that at that time. He's hearkening back to what he said himself in the Old Testament. You'll always have the poor. He said that back then. You're always going to have the poor. You shouldn't. You actually should be very affluent. You should be actually, um, you should be very well off, but you guys are disobedient and you guys keep rebelling against me and you guys going to, you guys going to put yourself into poverty and you're always going to be that way. Now, why, yeah. why are we always going to have the poor? Because you are always going to have 
people like Democrats, and this is this all happened before them, but in this time right now, because of Democrats, they they take advantage of the plight of the poor. And they're the ones who are getting richer while the poor are getting poor. The Democrats, are they for the rich? Of course they are. Like I've said a long time, of course they're for the rich. They, I mean, for the poor. They need them, right? That's what gives them their power. And because of people like them and their policy, you're always going to have the poor. And, you're, and, and this is an ideology that has, been, that, that has pandered to... Um, the, the 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 poor, the lower income brackets, the proletariats, you know, and, and all that since, you know, who knows how long, you know, shaking their finger at the bourgeoisie and all that sort of stuff. That's that's always been them. And unfortunately, it's something that works. But a part of the reason why it works is because, man, they are in. They go. They strike quickly. They get to your kids. You got to send your kids here. We're going we gonna, to before they even learn how to, to uh, 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 even ride a bike. You're going to learn mm-hmm. this ideology and they're always, and they start baking it into them, right? You're going to believe this and you're going to reject this. You are going to be raised to be drones of the state. That's just what they do. And they're, you know, they're in everything. They're in everything at this point. The yeast has definitely spread and puffed up the bread. And, you know, and the thing is that that yeasty bread is delicious, ain't it? Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we like to, you know, we like that, but. Uh, unfortunately, it can turn out to where it's going to create some problems, and we've got, definitely got some puffed up problems. So, DJ, uh, if uh, Bill doesn't have anything else to add, uh, just a super, yeah. super simple, sure. quick thing, right? Uh, in a perfectly level playing field, in a world where there was no injustice of any kind, you would still have rich and poor because you have different capabilities, different motivations. Mm. Certain people work harder than others, so some people are going to be rewarded more than others. It's going to be a bell curve, right? Mm. In, in, a, in a club of billionaires, the guy who's got $900 million is the guy mopping the floor, mm. right? So, so while, you cannot, while you cannot cut the poor off of that bell curve, the only thing you actually can do is you can raise the entire line, right? You can, and that's what we've been doing around the world, but especially in this country. We raise the entire line. There's still rich and poor in this country, and maybe that gap is even increasing, but the, but the baseline is getting higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And that benefits the people through capitalism that the ones who are talking about Marxism always claim to be the champions of. Indeed, man. And, and you know, we, we uh, I would I would hopefully, we, we got to do a series, man, where we, we kind of like examine capitalism and, you know, see if we can do our, our part to sell it a little better. Um, so for Bill Will, I'm Alphonse Rachel. This has been the Virtue Signal. DJ, thank you for your question. And uh, we welcome thank you, you. guys' question. You give us some uh, some good stuff to think about. All right, y'all. Thank you. See you next time.